Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With a new year comes tons of new big games in sports. With big games, you need big stakes. Kansas City Stakes has the cuts you crave to celebrate the playoffs and the big game. Visit KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and save up to $25 on combos perfect for game day. Plus, get free shipping with code BLEAVE. That's capital B-L-E-A-V at checkout. Try out the Snack Pack Combo featuring small packs with big flavor, mini beef wellington, steak burger sliders, mac and cheese melts, shrimp wrapped in bacon. Every order is flash frozen delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Basically every cut of steak imaginable, plus appetizers, desserts, barbecue, and so much more. Again, go to KansasCitySteaks.com slash game day and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V at checkout for free shipping. Kansas City Steaks, big games, big taste. Support for the ISO is brought to you by Manscaped. Yep, that's right, Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Well, brought my wife in on this read because it's a little awkward. (laughs) Thank you for that one, Dan. I actually think that this is something people probably have issues with and aren't exactly sure where to turn. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Now you might think, is this something I need? Have I ever had an incident when I probably could have used a Manscaped? Dan, I don't necessarily know that this is something you've ever had an issue with, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Well, here you go, folks. Right now, get 20% off and free shipping with the code ISO20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ISO20. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. It was neat to see you play, and it's fun to talk to you all these years later because you played with a lot of joy and you played with passion. And I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. Well, you know, I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. I think there were a lot of kids who looked at Dan Dickow and said, Dan Dickow can play at this level, I can play at this level. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with your host, that's me, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports and the Believe Podcast Network. Today's guest, a college basketball insider, someone who I love flipping on ESPN.com and reading the articles and the insight that he provides. Myron Metcalf, 
Myron, you are out of Minneapolis these days. How cold is it there and what stories are you working on? You know, it ain't, it ain't as cold as uh, it usually is, which is kind of weird. I mean, you know, January is usually when it starts to get sub-zero. We, we had a stretch maybe a couple years ago, like 52 days in a row below zero, you know. So this is, you know, it's like 20s, high teens. I, I, I'm not even wearing my winter jacket yet outside. So, you know, that just tells you what it's like. Well, I guess those uh, kind of upper Midwest people that grew up around the lake, I know you mentioned you grew up in Milwaukee, uh, you guys have a little bit of t- different level of toughness than us West Coast guys do. I grew up in the Portland area, so rain doesn't bother me. I live in Spokane now. The cold somewhat, uh, I'm used to it, but not like you guys. That, that's that's uh, awesome to hear. Uh, well, again, appreciate you joining. I'm, I'm always interested, and I love hearing the path of people that have uh, be, have had success in their fields. And, and you have been now with ESPN for 10 years. And a lot of what people don't realize is there's a lot of work going in to becoming an insider for a national publication such as ESPN. Were, were, were you always interested in writing growing up? And what were the steps for you to get going in your career? Yeah, man, I was always, I was always into writing, man. I got like science and math were never really my thing. And I knew that pretty early on, man. My, my football coach was my science teacher in like ninth grade. And I remember getting a D in the class. And I'm like, listen, bro, if I can't get above a D in science class and my football coach is the, is the teacher, I probably shouldn't focus on this. So I was always in the writing. It was something I was good at. Didn't know where I wanted to take it necessarily. And I was an athlete. Um, went to Minnesota State University, Minnesota State Mankato University. And uh, D2 football guy, got hurt early, broke my jaw during spring football. And I kind of had to make a choice. And I wasn't one of those delusional guys who thought I could make it to the NFL. Uh, so it's sort of like, what do you want to do with your life at this point? So I started getting into the college newspaper, working for them. And I kind of just got hooked on it. Uh, and then from there, a number of internships turned into a newspaper job. And then years later, that turned into an opportunity with uh, ESPN for me. SB Live Sports, if you as a guest uh, or a, if you as a listener out there aren't 100% familiar, you know, our focus is, is high school sports. And we have a, a number of different states that we cover in depth. Um, did you start at the high school ranks covering games and then gradually building up from there? I, I actually didn't. Uh, not at the start of Tribune. So I, I took maybe a little different, different path. Um, I was a news reporter. So my first job in the news world was actually working the midnight shift, listening to the police scanner. And whenever something crazy happened, they sent me out, you know, so you see a lot of dark stuff, you know, shootings and homicides. And, you know, you're there talking to police, you're there talking to victims and their families. So that was my gig, you know, Um, and and you learn a lot about how to talk to people in that situation. And I think the thing that translates to today is, I don't treat people differently. You know, you can be head coach of the best team in America. You can be a nobody that no one's ever heard of on a D3 team or something. I'm not going to treat you any differently. And that's kind of what that beat taught me. Um, And then I covered like local politics for a while, you know, went to city hall meetings and learned all about, I I can tell you everything about zoning laws and, you know, what you need to do if you want to add, you know, extend your garage. It's just procedural things for the most part. And then I got an opportunity to cover college basketball. Tubby Smith's first year 
at Minnesota. There were some changes going and going on with the paper. I was the 20 something kid who always was hanging around the sports guys like, Hey, call me, man, give me a chance, please. You know, I'll do anything. And then uh, they, they gave me a shot and I've been trying to run with it ever since. That's fascinating. I had no idea that that's how you truly got your start in journalism. Uh, because obviously, you know, we connected a number of years ago when, when we were talking about Gonzaga and different yeah. things that uh, led to the ascension of that program. But with your previous kind of focus on, on what you mentioned with, you know, local politics and covering kind of the, the police scanner, did that or does that now help you in the lens that you look at college athletics and coverage because of everything that's happened in 2020 and unfortunately in the first uh, week or so of 2021? Yeah, I mean, we're serious things happen in, co in college basketball and in sports in general. You know, it's never easy to cover. You know, for everybody you cover who gets hired, that means someone got fired. You know, so that's never easy knowing people can lose their jobs. It's never easy to hear about some of the situations that young people go through. I mean, we have situations where someone makes a mistake and I mean, you know, that can follow a young person. I, I hate covering those stories because um, they're so young, but I think it helps me in that. I understand that at the end of the day, it is sports and it's a very important distraction. I, I don't, I don't downplay sports the way some people do. I, I used to, I used to be like, you know what? just sports you know at the end of the day it's fun it's entertainment and then I got a letter when I was actually in the newspaper world from a, a, a veteran in Iraq um, and he was on his third tour of duty and he was reading the Minneapolis paper and he sent me an email from our a, a letter from Iraq and he said hey listen man I saw what you said about sports not being that big of a deal but I want you to know for me and my unit this is everything this is how we keep up with what's going on back home this is how we feel connected uh, to everything happening in America, sports is a big part of that. So that was a good lesson for me. Like, you know what? It's a distraction, but it is more than that on so many levels. Uh, at, at the same time, when you talk to someone who in an instant has just lost a family member, someone who has just lost a child, it brings you back to a place of this isn't life or death. And that to me is sort of the difference in my attitude maybe in the sports world is these things are important. Um, very important, but you know, for the most part, it's not a life or death situation. And we always need to need to remember, I think the, the privilege of being able to work in a field where it is about competition and everybody gets to go home because I talked to a lot of people who didn't get to go home, you know, their family members didn't get to go home. Uh, and it wasn't like, you know, an elderly relative had some illness that everyone kind of knew this could lead to a, a bad day. I mean, this is 19 year old kids uh, who were there in the morning and not there for dinner. So it just puts a lot of things in perspective. Yeah, that's a powerful message that came to you from Iraq. And, and I love the way you shared that. With everything that's going on now, you know, I cover a lot of college basketball on the broadcasting side for different networks and some games I call in person, some games I, I have the luxury of not traveling and, and calling games from, from my home office. How has your job changed covering games this year, as opposed to years past? It's just so different, man. You know, I'm a, like, I'm a gym rat and, and there's nothing, you know, in terms of like what fans miss compared to the act what we have in this job, 
it's the practices, it's the meetings with coaches. It's just the stuff where, you know, I may not write about it, but just the access. And I just love traveling to these places and being embedded with teams and uh, being in gyms and just getting to talk to guys face to face. It's just hard to build trust through Zoom in this role. Um, And I think that's been the biggest difference is luckily I've been in the game for a while, so I can call a Mark Few. I can call a Bill Self or a Tom Izzo if I need to, you know, ask about something that's going on. But there's nothing like being in the gym, uh, sitting there listening to the sneakers squeaking and people yelling at each other, the stuff you can't publish, you know, some coach going off on some player and, you know, you can't put that out there. But I, I just, I realize how much I miss that. Um, so that's the big difference. I mean, I'm watching every game. I got synergy access. I got multiple TVs running at all times, but I do miss being in the gym and, and building that relationship. And I think a lot of people feel that right now we're playing basketball, which is, which is, I mean, Hey, a lot of people wish they could do that at different levels and they're not, but there is that missing camaraderie that really makes, makes a sport like, Mid-January usually is the time when coaches are tired of reporters, players are tired of reporters. We might be a little tired of them. And then all of a sudden the momentum builds back to March and we're all like, all right, we kind of got our second win. And and this season just hasn't been that way because we haven't been together as much. No, I agree with that. And you're right where that early mid-January, it kind of gets to be the dog days. But unfortunately, that's when, you know, typically NFL football is starting to wind down and get to the Super Bowl. Uh, and so all eyes start to begin to focus on college basketball leading into the NCAA tournament. What coach was maybe the hardest to earn their trust throughout your early stages of your career? Because I'll go to shoot arounds and I used to be seen as a Gonzaga guy. And I still am to a certain extent. And, and some coaches would be kind of reserved with their answers. And I think I've earned trust through different coaches um, when they've listened to the replay of the game or they've heard the questions that I ask. Uh, but who are the hardest ones to earn their trust? Oh, man, I think I was at Spokane for like a day and a half before I got Mark Few for the first time. Like, I think I had to make a few calls to be like, uh, hey, no, I'm actually here, you know, in the, in the city. But, I mean, you know, there are a bunch of them. You know, Tubby Smith, I covered his four years at, at Minnesota. And uh, we definitely had our ups and downs. We, we had some highs and lows. I covered a few things that happened with that program where Tubby didn't want me to talk about it. And I kind of had to in my role. And there were some rifts there. But, but with any coach, I think the respect you earn in my role, at least, is you keep showing up. Where you lose respect is if you're the guy who's writing something maybe negative and then you're staying away. You know, and they don't get to see you face to face or you don't answer the phone if they text or call. And that's not me. You know, if I write something, I'm right here. Reach out. Let me know what you think. So um, I try to go through that process with with everybody. Mick Cronin uh, at Cincinnati was, you know, he he was easygoing, but he was also kind of gave me the an early process of let's see what you're about before I kind of let you into my world, which isn't that which isn't that abnormal. But but. In college basketball, it's it's a big world, but it's a very, very small world. So you're always conscious of you don't want to have a bad reputation because that'll follow you. Um, 
And you know, there are people like that who've been affected by that. And I just try not to be one of those guys uh, when it's time to kind of open that door. Angie's List is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With all the games that I call, I still watch a lot of basketball and I look at different analysts and and say, I really like his style um, or his insight. And two that jump out to me would be Jade Billis and Jimmy Dykes, although there's plenty of other really good ones. How much do you read what other guys are writing and really enjoy reading what they write? Oh, I I enjoy all of it. I mean, you know, I don't I, I don't have to be the best, man. I'm happy to be at the party. You know, um, because a lot of people would love to be at the party. And, and what you realize, like, in this business is, like, if we compare ourselves to each other, there's a whole group of people outside who just want to get into a game. I mean, that's, that's fascinating to me. It's, I know people who have been longtime fans of some major programs, and they've never actually been to a game. Like, they can't get on the list, or maybe they couldn't afford it. or Like, so I don't really get into the back and forth and comparing. I just – I'm happy to be a part of it, man. Like, I'm happy that I show up to a game and I'm on a list that says my name and they let me have a seat on press row uh, and I get to watch the game up close. So I do enjoy reading my colleagues, different publications. You got to keep up with what's going on. Um, I love listening to games. Uh, What I actually find most insightful, and I do this a lot, is I'll have a couple games up on in my living room, maybe even a third if I throw up my iPad or something like that, and then I'll listen to a fourth game on the radio. You learn a lot on the radio because of the way that people have to describe things that's sure. different from TV. But I just, I try to consume as much of it as I can. And then for me, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. You're an X's and O's guy because you played the game to, at a certain level and you're going to understand things in ways that I'll never understand them. I respect that so much, you know? Like I don't, I'm not one of those people who's like, let me go, you know, try to speak the lingo to a degree where a guy like Dan's going to respect me and think, oh, he's one of us. No, I want to ask you about the game. I want to find people like you and be like, hey, tell me what you think here. Hey, what do you think about that? And you just find that people are willing to dialogue and have conversations and explain how they see things. And I may see it from a different perspective. You know, the analytic stuff, there are some people who don't like that, but it's like, hey, if you dig into some of these numbers, They'll give you a lot of insight into actually what you're watching. Yeah, without a doubt. And I've always looked at the game as eyes, ears, and numbers. And the way you describe your evenings of following college basketball right now, you're covering all of them. And so you do have a little bit of a a different outlook than uh, somebody in the arena that night would have. You made a comment about being on press row. What arena – or what school has the worst press row? Because I've called a couple games on Westwood on radio and the big 10, which is where you're, you know, is wheelhouse being living in the Minnesota areas. Those two d- teams, the press row for radio is way up in the bleachers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. who's got the best and who's got the worst press row for you? It's gotta be Minnesota and Indiana for me. I mean, so 
Minnesota, which I covered for four years. Now, when I was in the newspaper world, I was on the front row at the bottom, right? So I was, I could touch the court. Uh, but then at ESPN, they kind of put me up in the rafters a little bit. So that's a different, different perspective. And then Indiana, I've covered Indiana long enough to win, you know, Eric Gordon was there and uh, Kelvin Sampson. And I remember sitting next to the court and having this great perspective. And then a couple years later, man, they basically put us in the student section. I mean, literally, you got to walk through the student section to get to press row. And it's just 40 minutes, really two hours of a bunch of kids behind you looking over your shoulder, bumping you in the back, you know, hey, don't write that. You know, just, it, just it's hard to kind of focus on the game when, when that's the situation. But again, those are first world kind of problems. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, uh, it's cool to be to be in the mix. And I'd say the most difficult one is Michigan State. You are right there on the court, but they put the band behind you. And they and they got this bass player at Michigan State, man, who I'm telling you, man, after two hours, you leave and you're sort of like, can I still hear properly, man? Because it's just so intense. Yeah, those are great stories. You know, the the Big Ten is, uh, as I mentioned, I, I've had a chance to call some games in that league, and I'm looking forward to more in the future because those are some great uh settings that I grew up yeah. watching on TV and then you know you got the history of all those good players and programs uh, it's really good cool to hear your insight so after having gone all across the country you know is there one arena that you just hands down can't wait to get to each year um, to, to follow the program up close or be at a game and see the student section go crazy I mean, it's nothing like Kansas you know and um I think Kansas is a basketball experience, you know, the whole state of Kansas. I mean, literally you can go to Kansas city and go to the college basketball hall of fame, get some good barbecue, drive out to Lawrence and just see this historic venue where it all began. I mean, the rules of basketball are, are, are right there legitimately. Um, and when that place is full, there's full, there's just nothing like it. That's the only building I would say one of the few buildings I've seen where I've watched an opposing team just sort of quit. Like, like we're never going to get back into this game. We're down eight. And the next, you know, it's 20 because just the crowd won't leave us alone. And they're just constantly on top of us. So I think Allen Fieldhouse is just sort of a, it's an experience to be at a game at Kansas uh, with the high stakes. There's just really, there's nothing like that. Yeah, Allen Fieldhouse is, is one of the, the few gyms across the country on my bucket list that I still haven't gotten to. Uh, and, and I know I'm going to make, the, make it there at some point, and I'm absolutely looking forward to it. The NCAA just announced kind of their guidelines for how the NCAA tournament is going to work. Everything is going to be in Indianapolis. Um, it sounds like seven or eight different venues and kind of eventually pare things down all into one gym. How do you think that's going to work and what other details are, do you think are going to have to be kind of front and center soon so that there can be more planning done? I just don't know how you get 68 teams there. Um, I've said from the beginning, we will have an NCAA tournament. Uh, that's going to happen. I don't know what it'll look like. I think the NCAA did the right thing. They said, Hey, we're going to have a normal tournament in Indianapolis everybody's invited. They've left themselves time and room to change that because 
you know, the NBA spent $150 million just to get into their bubble in Florida. The NCAA doesn't have that kind of money. So what you're basically counting on is 68 teams that all have to test negative seven consecutive times before they get to Indianapolis. That's a lot of people. I mean, this tournament, according to organizers, will demand more than 2,500 hotel rooms. There's just so many variables attached to that. And I have a hard time understanding what you do if there's a challenge. If a number one seed has a positive case after Selection Sunday, what do you do? Do you postpone the tournament? It doesn't sound like the NCAA has any plans to postpone the tournament. Do you replace that team? Like, what's the plan? I, I just wonder if it's all too much at the end of the season. So I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. A, I don't think 68 teams are going to get there. And I think if you're the NCAA at some point, you decide, let's get the best teams there. And that's not going to sound good to a lot of people. Yeah. There are going to be people who feel like, you know what, you're trying to leave out the little guys. That's not what I'm saying at all. I respect everybody. But let's get the best teams to Indianapolis. Number two, how can we have conference tournaments? Because in my mind, if your tournament ends on a Saturday before Selection Sunday, let's say, okay, great. If you're tested negative up until that point, wonderful. But if you're a league, if you're the WCC, let's say, and you know Gonzaga has a chance to win the national championship, do you want to risk throwing them into a place with six, seven, eight other teams before Selection Sunday? Or do you want to say, you know what? Let's leave everybody where they are. Let's keep testing. Let's practice. And then on Selection Sunday, we'll be ready to send our teams. Because I think a conference tournament just makes it more challenging. And I think that, to me, is the thing that's going to change around the country. Conference tournaments. And are we going to have replacement teams? And, oh, boy, Dan, if a top seed gets replaced in this sport, yeah, you're not going to hear the end of it. It'll be 20 years, and we'll still talk about it. You, you brought up some tremendous points and some things that, uh, quite frankly, I haven't seen or heard or read yet. And so, I, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and I'm going to really think about those things that you just commented on because you're right. It is a huge undertaking. And what if any of those scenarios that you just mentioned takes place? It kind of throws a lot of, you know, things for a loop. And there's a lot of variables uh, that, you, as you said, you don't know how to work around it. Last question, Myron, before I let you go, and I, usually I'll ask players, um, you know, who do you like in this situation or that or favorite player? But as a, as a journalist, as a columnist, who's someone who spends a lot of time, uh, you know, reading, is there an author right now of a book that, that maybe you're reading or do you have a favorite book that, you know, when you need a little bit more inspiration, it, you can go to that and you kind of get your, your mind flowing uh, in a way that helps you prepare uh, for your job? It's a good question, man. I, I actually read a lot of poetry, believe it or not. I mean, I read a lot of poets, man. And I'm, you know, from E.E. E. Cummings to you know, Walt Whitman to Maya Angelou to, um, that's always kind of how I've, I mean, as a young writer, that was sort of my, my go-to, Edgar Allan Poe and just, you know, I've always been fascinated by uh, the ability of, of writers to describe things and to write in a really proficient way without using a lot of big words. You know, like like Shakespeare 
if you believe historians, uh, probably didn't have more than an eighth grade education. I mean, you know, according to that time, like this wasn't like an extremely educated uh, form of writing. So simplicity is always important and poetry does that, believe it or not. And I think you have to do that in your writing about sports. It's so easy to fall in love with yourself and how you write. And I had an editor a long, long time ago. I was 21 years old and I wrote this big story and I thought it was the best thing that had ever been written. And I thought they were going to put it on the front page and tell me how great I was. And uh, back then you had to print off the story, you know, and he took it off and he ripped it up in my face. And he said, Metcalf, write the doggone story. You know, like basically he was telling me, you know, you don't have to do all of this stuff, man. Just make it, make it simple, you know? So uh, that's been a big, big thing for me that I've been doing lately more in the pandemic. Well, Myron, I appreciate the time. You've had some uh, tremendous insights, some great stories, such as that one you just shared about an editor uh, towards the start of your career. Hopefully our paths cross at some point. Might not be this year, but probably next year uh, when guys like us can get out and about into arenas much easier. So thanks again for joining. Have a great rest of the day and enjoy the rest of this college basketball season. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.